Welcome to the Alinea Church Podcast, and welcome to a new year. Today, Pastor Jeremy dives into what this new year has in store for our church with Vision Sunday. You will hear not only about what's in store for Alinea Church this year, but also where you fit in in a capacity of service within our church community. Join us today on this Vision Sunday. Well, good morning. Uh, when I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Dave. <laughs> totally. Uh, good morning. My name is Jeremy. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, with uh, from all of our amazing volunteers uh, and myself, I want to say welcome to Alinea Church and welcome to the new year. Uh, it is going to be a great day. I also want to brag on us as a church a little bit. Um, at the end of each year, we get to do something called the gratitude offering, and it's where we come together and we give over and above our normal tithes and offerings uh, just as a way of showing our gratitude to God uh, for everything that he has done in the previous year, and then it also helps to set us up well financially uh, for 2024. Now, last time that we did this, the very first time we did this was at the end of 2022. We had our 2022 gratitude offering. And you gave $6,755, which was amazing. I didn't know what to expect. It was the first time we ever did anything like that before. And this year, drum roll, this year you all gave $10,587 to our gratitude offering. So give yourselves a hand. Now, I'm a numbers guy, so let me, let me dig into the numbers a little bit. Um, And this is why this number excites me. Year-over-year attendance uh, from last year, from 2022 to 2023, we were up 20% as a church just in attendance, all right? But if if you're a mass savant, you know right there that that number was 56% more than the previous year, which tells me that uh, we are maturing in our generosity as a church. And that, as a pastor, that's what I'm excited about because I truly believe that generosity is a direct reflection of what's going on inside of our hearts. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And because of your giving, uh, over the previous year, so for 2023, we were able to give nearly $23,000 away Uh, to outreach projects. So those things look like uh, gospel efforts in Israel, uh, disaster relief. Uh, We support uh, Portico, which is a pregnancy, a crisis pregnancy center here in Murfreesboro, uh, benevolence needs, and church planning. Now let me dig into the church planning a little bit. We're part of ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches, and their whole mission is to plant churches. And in 2023, they planted 40 churches in America, and seven churches globally. Now, on opening day, collectively, those 47 churches had an attendance of 13,518 people. And on, collectively, on their launch day, um, we got to see 1,058 people for the first time give their lives to Christ. That's something to be excited about. So... So very, very excited about that. Uh, And then also, you heard Pastor Dave say, uh, uh, we're going to two services uh, next week. I'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment. Uh, But here's what I want to challenge you. If you do not serve, would you please pray and consider 
serving one time a month, just one time a month. Uh, part of my passion is that we have a volunteer team that is healthy, and they do this because they love to, not because they feel like uh, they have to, uh, and not because they feel like they're trapped to. And so the reason, the way that we do that is that we all pitch in, many hands make light work, and so if we have a broad volunteer base, it allows people to cycle in and out. So especially kids, especially guest services, uh, and Abigail is praying, her and I are fasting and praying for a keyboard player. Amen? Amen to that. Amen to that. So be praying about that. And then also, Reuben, would you go on, uh, come up here with me? Um, Reuben approached me um, this morning. If you ever want to say something in front of the church, I, I want to commend Reuben because what Reuben did was he wrote it out and he said, I want to say something. Would you please proofread this? And, and, and I, I was reading it and I was like, you know what? I'm about to talk about something uh, in my opening announcements and I think this fits perfectly. Um, so I'm going to let him say what he's going to say. I'm going to switch mics. Uh, on you, Aiden, and uh, let him read through this because I think it is something that God laid on his heart and it aligns directly with what I'm about to talk about next. So, All right, so I just want to talk to you guys because last night, the Holy Ghost, he didn't let me go to sleep. I tried to go to bed. He said, nope, get up. He spoke to me. He just wanted me to talk to you guys. Um, you know, because the Holy Ghost, he spoke to me. There's people who are struggling to hear him. You know, well, it's that you think you don't hear him. You know, because what it says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So if you're following him, you're listening to him. When you gave your life to Christ, you were given the best friend, the Holy Ghost. You know, that's who helps you. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, it is he who gives you the want to read scripture, pray, do the good deeds. Um, share the gospel, the one who convicts you, that's his voice. You know, that's God wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. Uh, if you're obeying God, reading scripture, praying, confessing your sins, repenting, sharing the good news, loving him, you're hearing his voice. He's the one who's speaking to you. Do those things. Thank you for that. And that's true. Uh, and his heart was, I think, some people don't think that they can hear God. And so here's my challenge to you. I want us collectively as a church to start reading through the Bible together. All right? So everybody pull out your phone. Don't tell me you don't have a phone. This is 2024. Now, I know some of you, some of you might have an, an Android. That's okay. We're still welcome here. Go to your store, and you're going to look up version Y-O-U, all right? You're going to look up version and it'll be a Bible app. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to all download the Bible app this morning, and when you go to plans, there's all sorts of plans that you can pick from. If you want to read through the Bible in 30 days, there's a plan for that. It's called the Shred 30. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to do that, but more power to you. You can do, you can do a, a Bible 90X. You want to read through the Bible in 90 days? Go for it. Um, there is a Bible plan called the Bible Recap. How many of you are already doing the Bible Recap? Okay, look, oh, I love this. All right, so it's Bible Recap. It's Tara Lee Cobble, is that right? Tara Lee Cobble. 
And here's what happens. She is going to have a, a Bible reading plan chronologically. So I started it on January 2nd. You can start it today on January 7th. It's, it's fine. But what's going to happen is there's going to be a Bible reading for you every day, and then there's going to be about a five-minute video recap about what you just read, right? And so because it's chronological, I've been reading in Genesis, and now all of a sudden we're in Job, and then we're going to jump back into Genesis. But I think it's imperative for us all to understand and know the Word of God. And I think a lot of us have good intentions, but intentions and impact are two different things. You can have good intentions, but unless you're doing the work, you're going to have no impact. I know a lot of us have good intentions. We get into the Word. We get into Leviticus, and it's like, I've read enough, right? Or you get into Job, and you're like, I don't want to do this. You get into numbers, and you're like, I'm, I'm, I've failed math class. I don't want to get into numbers, right? What the Bible recap is going to do is it's going to help demystify some of the difficult portions of the Bible, all right? Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you might have gotten into Genesis, and you're like, who married who, and how did they have kids and stuff? They're, they, they, they unpack that. They... they they demystify that. My kids are asking really great questions, like how did Cain even know what death was? And don't, don't ask me hard questions. I'm just your dad, right? Uh, but please, uh, let's read the Bible together because I, th- I think it'll make us stronger as a church, all right? All right, last thing. Talk to me today. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with uh, this. Uh, I've got a really good bassy voice today. So that means the message is going to be that much more anointed, right? Um, but uh, say amen, talk back to me. If you hear something that resonates, uh, you know, get, encourage me so, so, I can, uh, so I can give you my best today. I want to bring you a message today called Empty Jars and Closed Doors. Empty Jars and Closed Doors. And uh, I'm going to be talking to you from Second uh, uh, Kings. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and we're going to be uh, entering into a story of the prophet named Elisha, all right? Elisha came uh, after Elijah. Elijah was his uh, predecessor. He's his mentor. Uh, one of the things I love about Elisha is that he prayed that God would give him a double portion of what Elijah had. And if you were to go and you were to look at the stories of Elijah and Elisha, you realize that Elisha did double the miracles that Elijah did, which is a really neat little fact there. And uh, I have a, a mentor when I was growing up in, in East Tennessee. His name's Ted Wilson. And, and I always prayed that God would give me a double portion of what Ted had uh, because he impacted my life so much. So let's dig into our story today. Elisha's going to help out this lady. He says, One of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, has died. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Now the creditor is coming to take my two children as his slaves. Elisha asked her, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go out and borrow empty containers From all your neighbors, do not get just a few. Remember that. 
Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all these containers. Set the full ones to the side. So she left, and after she had shut the door behind her and her sons, they kept bringing her containers, and she kept pouring. So apparently they, they obeyed Mama, and they got a lot of containers, right? When they were full, she said to her son, bring me another container. But he replied, there aren't any more. Then the oil stopped. She went and she told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on the rest. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And God, we pray that today, as we open up your word, that you would open up our hearts and speak to us. Let us have uh, good soil for your seed to be planted in. Let us have good uh, hearts, soft hearts for you to mold and to make and to shape. Father God, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would hide me behind your cross. And Father God, I pray that all of us would grow closer to your son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 So uh, one of the things that we all love to say is that we want more, right? Uh, when we were kids, we are like, we want more. We want more of whatever is being put in front of us. We want more toys. We want more food. Uh, we want more. And we love to say that as believers, we serve the God of more. We serve the God of plenty, right? Uh, we, and it's true. We serve a God who is a God of abundance, right? God is a God of abundance. He's a God of abundant resources, uh, he is the God of abundant joy. He is the God of abundant peace. He is the God of abundant love. He is the God that is abundant in relationships. And you name it, whatever is the character of God, know that God is abundant in that particular aspect, and he wants it for you in your life. He is the God of abundance in that particular thing. And I believe that for us as a church. I have to. As a pastor, I have to believe that God is the God of abundance. I have to believe that God is, the, is still Jehovah Jireh, that he is still our provider. And I believe that God called Jennifer and I and our two boys to relocate ourselves to Murfreesboro, Tennessee for such a time as this, that God called us to Murfreesboro for a purpose at a specific time at a strategic place. And I'm probably, I'm, I want to be encouraging today, and I want you guys to be like, yes, we love God, and he's so good. But I'm probably about to discourage a lot of you because I'm about to give you some statistics about your hometown. <laughs> Murfreesboro, over 2023, grew 19% year over year. It is the fastest growing city in Tennessee. If you look at Rutherford County, Rutherford County 16,000 more people since 2020, 16,000 more people moved into the county than moved out of the county. In fact, by 2050, it will be the third largest county in Tennessee. It is right now the fastest growing county in Tennessee. Uh, approximately, get this, approximately another 100,000 people will move to Rutherford County within the next 10 years. So you love old Fort now, you just wait, right? <laughs> you just wait. You know, Murfreesboro is an hour from Murfreesboro right now. I just can't wait to see what 10 years from now, 20, 
uh, what were we, 20, 20, 24, 20, uh, 34, what that's going to look like. But that is what we have. And what we have to realize is the harvest is plentiful. We have to realize that the harvest is plentiful. We have to realize that that is a blessing, not a curse. We have to realize that that is an opportunity. But what is our part in all of this? What is our part in the growth of our community? And when, when you look at the abundance of God, what is our part as a church? Is, is our part to, to be good stewards? Is, is our part supposed to be that we're supposed to be generous? Is our, is our part supposed to be that we're supposed to be selfless? And yes, all those things are true. Those things are good. But that is what you do with God's abundance. That's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how do you attract God's abundance? How do you attract God's abundance? How do we attract more of who God is and more of what he wants to do in our lives? Because I think that if I was to have a show of hands, we would all say, yes, we want more of God. We want more of whatever God has to give of us. We want more of his character. We want more of his influence in our lives. And I think the key to attracting God's abundance and presence and what I believe God is calling us as a church to do in this new year. And let me put a pen right there. I believe that these concepts apply to you personally and individually as you face your 2024. So this can be not just Vision Sunday for Alenia Church. Take this as Vision Sunday for you as, a, as an individual, as a believer. And I also want to say this. <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you as if you're my church staff. Okay, you're now on staff at Alenia Church. Congratulations. Your payments are crowns in heaven. <laughs> and we're sitting down, and I'm going to talk to you as a staff of what I believe God is calling us to do in this new year because I believe it is found in this passage in 2 Kings. The first thing that we see is, is we have a story of someone who is desperate in her situation. She's desperate. She, she has two boys, the bills are due, and, and she goes to Elisha, and, and she knows he's a man of God, and she's hoping and she's praying that he can do something about her situation, that maybe he has the answer, maybe he has the hope that she so desires. And how many times in our life have we been frustrated with our situation? The, the rains haven't fallen, the crops haven't come in, uh, whatever analogy you want to use, that life is difficult and then something else happens, right? Life is not fair. Life is not a balancing act. Life doesn't look at you and go, well, Something bad happened to them, and so now something good is going to happen to them. Life is not yin and yang. Sometimes life is difficult, and then it gets even more difficult. Sometimes the husband dies, and the bill is still due. Life isn't fair. In this situation, what it did is it brought her to a point of desperation because life was still going on. Whether she had the time to mourn or not, she still had to figure out a way to take care of her kids. She still had to figure out how to pay the mortgage, and she was desperate. She was desperate for God to show up. She was desperate for God to move. She was desperate for God to intervene and, and just to float her just a few more days 
so she didn't have to sell her kids. And you're thinking, well, I'd sell my kids. That's a great idea right there. That'd be awesome. But we, we act different when we're desperate. We really, really do. I, I remember Jennifer and I, we were in Texas, and we were in our first ministry experience. And in, we got married in 2003, and this would have been about 2000. And, and four, and we, we knew we were unsettled. We didn't know what God was doing in our hearts, and we were desperate to hear from God. We were dress, desperate, and so we did desperate things. So we fasted, and we prayed. In fact, we, we ended up getting a hotel out of town so that we could change up our perspective and change up our environment so that we could get alone and we could pray as a couple, about what God was wanting us to do. And God didn't give us an answer that we thought he would have given us. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we looked at each other and we we're like, what did God tell you? It's like, no, what did God tell you? It's like, okay, we're going to say it together. And we both said out loud, God's telling us to stay. But we were desperate to hear from God. And then a year later, the same thing happened. We knew God had told us to stay a year, so we got together again, and we fasted, and we prayed because we were desperate to hear from God. And at that point, God told us, I'm releasing you. It's time to move on. But I, we would not have heard that answer if we weren't desperate enough to look for it, if we weren't desperate enough to pray for it. Have you ever been to a point where you were desperate for God to show up. You're desperate in your prayers, that the, the desperation shows up in your language, that the, the desperation shows up when you're balancing your checkbook, that the desperation shows up when you're talking to your neighbors, that the, the desperation shows up in your, your prayers, it shows up in your worship on a Sunday. You come in here and you worship differently because you're just desperate for a little bit more of God than you have. You're desperate for him to move in your life. You're desperate in a way that it communicates, oh God, only you can come through and do what I need for you to do. That's desperation. Desperation for God. It's desperation for his face. It's desperation for his presence in our lives. And so she's desperate. She goes to Elisha, and Elisha says, he flips it on her, and he's like, I don't have the answer for you. Maybe you have the answer. What do you have? And what does she say? She says nothing. I kind of, I, 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 like, I like to envision in my head that there's a really big fat comma after that. Nothing. I have nothing. But a little bit of oil. She said it was nothing. I have nothing. But it was something, right? She had something. She had a little bit of oil. She had a little jar of oil. But to her, she minimized it because to her, it was, in the grand scheme of things, it was nothing. See, we, when we face our moments of desperation, moments of needing God in ways that we've never needed him, but what we can do is we can minimize what God has placed in us. We can minimize what God has placed around us. We can minimize the resources that we have at our disposal. We can minimize ourselves. God, I am nothing. Well, I mean, theologically, yes, but theologically, no. You're not nothing. You're a child of God. 
You don't boast in yourself. You boast in his righteousness. You boast in the gospel. You boast in who Jesus is. You boast in the fact that he has redeemed you and he has remade you, that you are a new creation. So you are not nothing. I know that's bad language. Sorry, grammar. You know, double negative. You are something. You are a child of God. You have position. You have power. You have a starting point that the rest of the world doesn't have. You know why I think that believers should be the absolute best at keeping New Year's resolutions? Because we have something that the rest of the world doesn't have. We have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are starting at such an advantage that the rest of the world isn't starting at. We have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So it's not nothing, it is something. And it is a whole lot of something. It might be a little. You might be a new believer. It might be a a little bit of faith, but at least it's faith. You might have a little bit of belief, but at least it's belief. And Elijah, he says, what is in your house? What do you have? And God's asking all of us, what do you have? What's in your hand? What's in the house? Don't tell me it's nothing because I can do something with a little. I can do something with a a minuscule amount. With faith that's just as little as a mustard seed, I can do something with that. Far above your expectations. That's the God that I serve. And so she says, nothing but a little bit of oil. And so Elisha says, okay, good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab some more jars. I want you to grab some more. And don't get just a little. Don't get just a little. Because if you get just a little, what you're doing is you're capping what God can do in your life. How often do we, how often do we sell ourselves short because we're like, no, we don't deserve that. No, we're going to stop the blessing right there. No, no, that's not for me. And God's like, no, grab some more jars. Grab some more jars. I want to pour more out on you. Grab some more jars. And and this is what I think is interesting. Elisha says, go to your neighbors and borrow jars, which means that she, she is now put in a situation of vulnerability. She's got to go to her neighbors and explain what's going on. And how embarrassing that must be. How, how, how that's got to be like, so you got to swallow your pride. And, and, and she's put in a place of, of vulnerability and, 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 and having to confess what's going on in her life. And, and that's got to be so difficult because vulnerability is tough. Because we want to be self-sufficient. We want to have it all figured out. We want to believe that we've got it all together. We want to we to own it and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. I should be strong enough. I should have it all together. I should have this figured out. I can't, I can't for some reason, see straight, though, and I'm so confused, but I, I can't let anybody know that because I'm supposed to be my own man, supposed to, supposed to know all the answers. And Elisha's like, Elisha's like, no, I need you to go to your neighbors, and I need you to let them know what's going on and borrow some jars. See, this is why you need people around you. This idea of, of Lone Ranger Christianity is not found in the Bible. 
You need people around you that can speak into your life, that can show you the areas in your life that you're blind to, and you can show the areas in their life that they're blind to, and you, this, this iron sharpens iron, and you start working on each other, and you start being, a, it's, it's, it's what the New Testament's about. It says that we're the body of Christ, right? And that we should, we should speak to one another in love, and that we should bolster each other up, and that we should, we should hold each other accountable. That's why if you're not in a small group, you're living life with one arm tied behind your back. Because you need Christian friends. You need a community of believers that you do life together with. Because I'm telling you, as your pastor, I ain't perfect. And you ain't perfect either. And there are times in my life where I think I see something straight and I don't because I am flawed. And I need the perspective of godly counsel around me to see my blind spot. So then she gets all the jars together. And she shuts the door and she starts pouring. Now, when you look at this story, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is always symbolized in the oil. Anytime you see oil in the Bible, it's a, it's a representation of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm looking at this story, I'm asking myself, what does God want to tell me about what he wants to do in us and in me in terms of the Holy Spirit? So she starts pouring, and then she grabs another jar, and she starts pouring, and she grabs another jar, and she starts pouring, and then she says, I need one more jar. And they're like, we don't have any more jars. We ran out. And at that moment, the oil stopped pouring. And Elijah said, go, take the oil, sell it, pay off your debts, live off the rest. Now, what does this have to do with us as a church? Here's your four points. Point number one is we have to be desperate. We have to be desperate for the presence of God in our lives. We have to be desperate for God to show up on a Sunday. We have to be desperate for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not just enough to have good systems. It's not just enough to have good graphics and good signage. It's not just enough to have good programs. It's not just enough to have good databases. It's not just enough of any of that. If we do not have the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, in us, through us, around us, on Sunday mornings, when we walk out of here, then what are we doing? We have to be desperate for the Holy Spirit. And I am so desperate for a move of God in this place that tells the world that God is still on the move, that he is still at work. I'm so desperate to see a move of God in this place that shows the world that God's best days aren't behind him, that God is still moving, that God is still active. Do you believe that today, that God is still active, that he is still moving, that he still wants to do something? 
Let's try that again. Do you believe that? God wants to do something. We have to, number two, we have to look at what we have. I am a firm believer of the principle that the oil is in the house. That the oil is in the house. We don't have to go somewhere else to figure out where to start. We can just look around the room right now. That the genesis of what God wants to do, the beginning, the seed of what God wants to do at Alinea Church in Rutherford County is right here in this room. It's in this house. That means that God wants to use you, he wants to use you, and he wants to use you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. That God wants to use all of us. So don't sell yourself short. Well, I never have before. Oh, I've never done this before. Starting a church, never did that before. Half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think I can. Starting to sound a lot like a a lot of other biblical characters. I'm not a good speaker. Well, how about you lead the whole nation out of Egypt? I'm not a big warrior. Well, how about we take a you Gideon and a group of three hundred, and we'll we'll rescue the nation of Israel. Don't sell yourself short. Just because you never have doesn't mean you never will. Just because you never have doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do something new in you and new through you. Number three, this is probably one of my bigger points. The issue, catch this, ready? The issue isn't the oil. The issue isn't the oil. The issue is the jars. The issue isn't the oil. The issue is the jars. The issue isn't that God doesn't want to move. The issue is our capacity to hold what God wants to do. It's our job to find the jars. It's God's job to supply the oil. Jars represents the capacity in our lives. The the capacity to hold, the capacity to sustain. It represents the capacity in our church. And this is not an an isolated concept in in 2 Kings. I mean, if you look at, it's it's actually in Luke and it's in Mark and and it's in Matthew. Jesus talks about old wineskins and new wineskins and the old wine and new wine. And what was he talking about there? He was talking about you got to have different capacity for different stuff. You can't take new wine and put it in old wineskins. It's going to burst. you got to have new wineskins. He's talking about capacity. He's talking about the ability to hold something different, the ability to hold something new. And capacity can be a lot of different things. It can be simple capacity. I, I, I uh, had the opportunity to build buildings for my previous church, and I had an architect tell me something very wise one time. 
He said, Jeremy, no matter how big you build the auditorium, if they can't park and they can't pee, they ain't showing up. Which means we had to have the capacity in the parking lot. We had to have the capacity in the bathrooms. And no matter how many stalls we put in the women's bathroom, there was never enough capacity for the women's bathroom. There was always a line. It could be simple capacity like that. I know, I know many people don't understand why we're going to two services. It's a big step of faith. Why are we doing two services? We can hold everybody in one service. It's capacity. I know there's been several Sundays over the past couple of months where you walk in the back door and it's like, I don't know if there's anywhere for me to sit. I know there's been several days that Jennifer and I have ran to Lowe's and got these really comfortable high-dollar folding metallic chairs that y'all have because we ran out and we needed more boxes of chairs. And eventually, you keep doing that, and people will walk in and go, there's no place for me here. And they'll turn around, and they'll walk back out. Is two services going to work? And I tell you, as your leader, and as your champion, and as your pastor, I have no idea. But I'm willing to try. And come February, come March, there's 20 people in each service, and we're like, what are we doing? We'll go back to one service. But we'll never know unless we try. We'll never know unless we grab more jars. I'd rather have a bunch of empty jars because then it's on God. It's not on me. I've done my part. They used to say that 80% full is full, meaning if you had an environment and it was 80% capacity, because we're not selling seats, right? Not like you have A1 and you've got like C1, right? Nobody got their chair. You're walking in, you got to find a seat. So they would say 80% full is full. They think that number now is like 60 to 70% because of COVID. People like their space now. They don't want them to get the cooties. Spiritual capacity, that's another way that you can think about capacity. Capacity could also, it could also mean that we, we leave room in our lives for God to move. Uh, we had to do this as a family. Before we left Virginia, we had to financially make capacity in our lives to be able to do this. We sold stuff that I didn't want to sell. We got out of debt. We saved money. Because we wanted to give ourselves the capacity to do what God, to allow God to do what he wanted to do. I don't know if y'all know this, but I've been working a second full-time job at Feed America First. And in December, I told them I need to step back from this role because I knew I needed the capacity in my life to shepherd you. It wasn't an easy decision to make, but I knew that in this next season, I needed the capacity, I needed the room to allow God to move in and through me. And I see so often in our lives, and this just goes on a personal level, that 
God is unable to do what he wants to do in our lives because we've never allowed the capacity in our lives for him to move. We have so jammed our lives up with work schedules and kids' schedules and soccer schedules and, 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 and whatever other events that we have that we now all have. Do you remember that at one time we didn't have digital calendars? But now we, we, our schedules are so jam-packed that I feel like that God's looking at our lives and going, they want more of me. Let me see if I can pencil myself in here. See if I can squeeze myself in here to their lives where they've got so much going on. But our, our capacity is so maxed out. And we've got to allow ourselves to have room. We've got to allow ourselves to have margin. You have to choose capacity first, though. That's something you've got to think about. I mean, you think about this. like. Two ideas, Sabbath and tithing. When do you give the Sabbath? First, right? You give the Sabbath first. When do you give the tithe? You give the tithe first. Why do you do that? Because you know life will get in the way and you will have no time left over to give God the Sabbath. Bills, finances, McDonald's, Chili's. Now we got Firebirds, amen, Chipotle, can I get an amen? It will get in the way, and we will have no money left over at the end of the month to tithe. That's why you have to choose capacity first. That's why you know, you've experienced this, if you don't get up and you don't do your quiet time first, you will not have the capacity at the end of the day to give God your time. That's when I was growing up as a, as a kid. I was like, I want to sleep in. I'll just do my quiet time at night. No, I won't. Because David Letterman would be on or whatever. Or I would be wanting to go back to sleep. Or I'd be playing video games. You've got to give God first. You can also think about capacity as the strength to carry things. When I was uh, uh, in Virginia, Jennifer and I, we bought backpacks, and uh, we were going to go backpacking with some friends. So we showed up. We're in the mountains uh, of the Shenandoah, and we have our backpack backpacks on. We're doing a two-night backpacking trip. So we hike down into the valley. This is one thing I hate about backpacking. It never can be flat. It's always got to be down or up. And so we hike down into the valley, and I was... On the first day, I was like, something doesn't feel right in my knees. And so we unpacked, we put our tent out, we ate and everything, we packed everything, you know, went to sleep, got up next morning, had our breakfast, packed everything up, and then we hiked out, right? And we hiked out to the top of the ridge, and I was like, man, my knees just really don't, don't feel good. And this is like 10 years ago. No, this is like 15 years ago. Lord have mercy. And we get to the top of the ridge, and then we have to hike down like two miles to the parking lot. I have never been in so much pain. I blew my knees out. So I had hiking sticks, but I was using them as crutches because every step hurt. Every step hurt. Why? Because I did not have the capacity 
to carry a 40-pound bag on my back, hike down into a valley, and hike back out. I had a buddy of mine. I came to church the next morning, and I was doing this, and he's like, what's wrong? I was like, my knees hurt. I blew my knees out. He goes, it's weak quads, man. You got weak quads. You got to do squats. You got to do weak quads, man. Like, all right, whatever, Shane. Give me, leave me alone. <laughs> now when I go backpacking, that doesn't bother me because I've built the capacity to be able to carry the weight that's on my back. As a church, I feel like that we have done a really good job over the past two years building the groundwork, the culture, the spiritual disciplines, and the strength to carry the spiritual weight God is calling us to carry. And we can't stop. We have to keep digging deeper wells. We have to keep digging deeper foundations. And capacity, when you look at all these things together, this is the point. We can't focus on growth. We have to focus on capacity. If we focus on growth, we're focusing on the wrong thing. The growth is God's responsibility. The capacity is our responsibility. Do we have the capacity for more groups? Do we have the capacity for more leaders? Do we have the capacity for more volunteers? Do we have the capacity to disciple people? Do we have the capacity to care for people? Do we have the capacity to love people? Because as that capacity grows, God is able to look at us and go, I can trust baby Christians in that organization. I can trust new believers in that church because I know that they'll be take care, taken care of. I know that they'll be discipled. I know they'll be shepherded. I know they'll be cared for. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that can be good stewards of the capacity. And that's what God is calling us to do as a church, is to focus on the capacity. Last thing is this. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Number four, and this is something that maybe you would have missed. I missed it the first time I read it. This all started with a fear of God. And it all started behind closed doors. Meaning this, as a church, as we grow, as we focus on the capacity to be able to hold the things that God wants us to hold, to be able to carry the things that God is calling us to carry, it has to start with the holy reverence for the glory of God. It has to start with a holy fear of the Lord, that God, you are so good. God, you are so holy. God, we are unworthy. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We don't deserve any of this, but for some reason you have chosen you have chosen to pour out your blessing on us, God. It is not our doing. It is not our expertise. It is not our wisdom. Our wisdom is as foolishness, God. It is you. You are holy. You were just a holy reverence and a holy fear of God. It has to start there. And it has to start in our own prayer closets. It has to start behind closed doors. It has to start with us closing a door personally, getting on our knees before God, taking what little bit we have and pouring it out. 
and pouring it out and pouring it out. It takes us pouring out before God. It takes us sacrificing. It takes us giving to him. It has to start in a quiet place. She said her husband was a man who feared God, meaning he was a husband that took him to the temple and had them obey the, the festivals and had them obey the sacrifices and had them obeying the, the Sabbath. And then she, she obeyed the prophet and she took the jars and she went behind closed doors and she got her boys together and they just started pouring. And that's what I'm calling us to do, is to pour. On the 15th, the 16th, and the 17th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to come together as a church, and I want, us all to, I want us all to be a part of it. Each one of those nights, here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to fast. Again, I'm talking to you like your staff, all right? When it's all to fast, some of you are like, I can't go without food. My wife can't go without food. I get that. My wife can't go without food either. It's bad news, so eat something. But do a fast. Do a Daniel fast. Do a, do a liquids fast if you want to. There's different fasts. And then I want us to come together and we're going to do each night is we're going to pray a little bit and we're going to sing a little bit and it's not going to feel like this it's not going to be a sunday morning experience with a full band or anything like that it's going to be really quiet it's going to be really different it's going to be really intimate it's going to be really special but what we're going to do as a church is we're going to pour out for three days and we're going to be desperate for the presence of god in our lives we're going to be desperate for him to move we're going to pour out the little bit that we have. We're going to pray God shows us where we can expand our capacity. We're going to pray God shows up, and we're going to give the rest to him, and allow him to deal with the consequences, and be obedient. That's what I want us to do. As we close out, Abigail asked her like last minute, she can learn this song and she did and what I want us to do is just just remain seated and in your moment in your little prayer circle I want you to listen to these words and I want you to focus on what is God calling you to do in this new season and in this new year Thank you for listening today. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, would you let us know by going to alineachurch.org connect? We would love to put a free gift in your hand. Thank you to everyone who gives to support this ministry. If you would like to give today, you can do so by searching for Alinea on Venmo or going to alineachurch.org give. As always, if you live in the Murfreesboro area, we would love to see you in person at 10 a.m. at 707 West Main Street. Until then, God sees you, he loves you, and he wants the best for you.